With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 116 of the Big Show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another crazy week. We're ready to attack the week. I'm always in a time warp when I record these because I'm recording these on a, I'm recording this on Friday afternoon. So it's like the end of the work week. But of course, the, you're now listening to it Sunday or perhaps Monday morning on your way back to work. So I'm messing everybody up. So I guess we're going to, uh, either attack the week, we attacked the week or we're going to attack the week regardless. Thank you very much for tuning in, whether it be on your commute. Sitting in your office at work in your cubicle with your headphones on, eating your cheese sandwich, trying to avoid Linda. She wants to talk to you about the blister on her cat's back. No, you're here for the smooth, relaxing sounds of audio pleasure. Some enforcer audio pleasure. Close your eyes, sit back. And watch the words and the pictures as they fly through the air. Well, what are we going to talk about today? Well, let me tell you. Got a few things. Um, I'm going to talk about the... uh, At the start of the thing, I'm going to... At the show here, I'm going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning's uh, penalty kill. And then we're going to talk about the Knights' uh, second power plate. No, I'm just kidding. I don't give a fuck. Bet you thought that was real, though, didn't you? No, in fact, I'm not going to talk about anything involving current hockey. And I would suspect most of you that are tuning into this are expecting me to not talk about anything in current hockey. So, welcome. No, I think uh, today, what I'm going to talk about, um, a uh, a few things on, of course, social media that have irritated me. Over the week, well, they've done it for more than the weeks. As the weeks and months wear on here, very professional, yawn on air. Um, no, uh, kind of the comment section of not only YouTube but Facebook and the and the like. Um, Spit and chiglets, stuff like that. Uh, 
a Marchant and Wilson comparison that I didn't really get. Um, Avery versus Barnaby. That has made the news as they have decided to, two of the, of the sports all time biggest yappers have decided to turn their mouths on each other and, uh, have been yipping back and forth on social media. I'll get into that. Plus, somebody has sent me, uh, through direct message a link to, uh, where is it now? Some website named Sportster, whatever that is. Uh, a link to the top 15, which seems to be odd, 15. You'd think it'd be like top 10 or top 25, but top 15 of the, of hockey's worst all-time fighters. So I'm interested to see what that list is about. I did not open it. Because he sent it to me and he's like, oh, hey man, you gotta check this, uh, check this list out. Maybe do it on your show. It's the top 15 fighters. It's pretty funny. So I was like, okay. So I decided to not hit the link just yet. And, uh, my react, my, I'm gonna, you're gonna get my honest reaction to it as I open it up on the air and we talk about it now. Um, yes. So I have not looked at the list. I have no idea what it is, but he sent me the link. I have it, uh, I have the thing open here. Well, I just gotta click on it. And uh, we'll go through it, but we'll do that in a in a quick minute here. First, we'll get the we'll get these out of the way. As I said, uh, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There are over fifty shows on the network. Whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. Uh, of course, now we're down to four shows. Uh, four shows left. Well, in terms of talking about anything current, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, and the other shows, of course, they'll be talking about uh, free agents and the draft and all that sort of thing. So whatever you're into, if you're into that new stuff. Also, for my off-network friends, Jolt and Joel Lazito, give it a Lazito, over at the Coliseum Chronicles. Of course, he's uh, he's right in the middle of the playoff fever with, the, with of course, his Islanders. Um, if you happen to be at the game and you see a big dude... Wearing a number one Wang jersey. Go ask him if his Wang's number one. And say hello. Tell him you uh, you heard about his show. Check out his show. Joe does a great job at interviewing past Islander enforcers. Uh, his, his latest episode is with Joey Diamond. Former Bridgeport player. And... Uh, yeah, he's done. He, he he's done a great job. Uh, Mick Fakota, Aaron Asham, Strudwick, Bolton, all those cats he's interviewed in the past, and Joe does a great job, really in depth. Um, so, you know, it's uh, sorry, folks. I'm stopping and starting and stopping and starting. I start doing my episode, and all of a sudden, the guy next door is. Well, all of a sudden, we're gonna do a home rental project. I don't know what the hell he's hammering on. And then we got trucks backing up, and beepers going, and lawnmowers, and the whole nine yards. Oh, if anybody listening in the sound of my voice, do you know anybody that would like to buy a two-bedroom condo in Saskatoon? Oh, we need to sell this place. We had a walkthrough yesterday. I wonder how that went. I mean, I guess, whatever. They were here for quite a while, apparently, but, uh, yeah, haven't, uh, haven't heard any offers back yet, but, uh, pretty slow going here. But, yeah, we, uh, we have a a verbal agreement to, uh, to get a house, but, uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to being able to move finally and uh, get in there and get away from these noises. People banging on my walls. But anyway, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Joe's Wang. Um, no, Joe does a great job. Joe's a good dude. Known Joe for a long time. Uh, does really good in-depth interviews. 
Um, if you're new to the show, I mean, I've talked about it before, but maybe you haven't heard, but, um, for any of the older listeners that are tuning in, do you remember the bad boys books? And, uh, and then once a year, that tough guys hockey magazine, it would come out. Well, that was Joe's, uh, deal. Like he, he was a big part of those, um, in terms of the research and writing articles and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Joe's been around the scene for a long time and knows his shit and has an excellent podcast that I would highly recommend checking out. Also for the current shows, of course, the Obey the Puck show with uh, Dan, Paul, and Kelly, and the Slewfoot show with Fred and Dave. Um, again, a couple current shows, and as I'm always fond of saying, my brother always laughs at me, but uh, I always say uh, I watch those shows so I stay informed, and at the same time, I don't have to watch, but I know what's going on. What is it? What are the, the haps, as the kids say it? But uh, all right, guys, let's get into this. What what are we talking about today? Ah, uh, yes. If you happen to uh, be on social media, why are you on social media? See, I have to be on social media because I got to advertise this damn show. Other than that, I wouldn't be on social media. But uh, so, why are you, the listener, on social media? No, it's um. It's like anything in life, right? I mean, there's obviously pluses and minuses to it. Although there's been a lot more minuses lately, but um, yeah, it's uh, it can be really frustrating. I always I always laugh at the same time. I always say social media has actually been really good for my shows for these rant episodes because it's given me uh, um, plenty plenty to talk about. Oh, I'm stopping and start. I'm getting text messages and everything. I'm stopping and starting and pausing, and then I forget what I was talking about. But social media, yes. If you happen to be on there, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook, um, and on YouTube. That's the big one. Uh, so definitely go to YouTube. Check out Fourth Line Voice. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, I try to add uh, fights kind of weekly. I try to add a bunch of fights. Um, right now, of course, all my stuff's sort of in storage, so I really haven't been. I have some fight DVDs here, um, so I haven't really been that diligent with it as of, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess I put about 10 or 11 fights up there a couple nights ago, so. But there's all, like I said, there's 2,500 videos on there anyway, so believe me, you can get lost down the rabbit hole. I have everything sorted. Just go to a little search engine, NHL, OHL, blah, 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 whatever you're looking for, it'll come up. Um, and I have fights from every league from all over the place, from junior to pro. So definitely check that out, subscribe to the channel, be very much appreciated. But, uh, yes, so there we go, there are the plugs. Now let's get into this episode. Um, well, first of all, I, I want to talk about Brett Gallant. Congratulations to Brett Gallant, um, a man who I say is the t- right now in hockey is the toughest guy in hockey. Um, he has re-signed for next year with uh, the Cleveland Monsters of uh, the American Hockey League. So that was uh, cool to read. I saw that on Twitter yesterday. So that was uh, excellent. Plus, he follows my Twitter account. Yes, I've tried to get him on the show, but uh, and we've talked about it. But uh, Brett is not big on uh, public speaking. He's not. A, he, he's not really comfortable with it. So uh, he politely declined, and that's fine. I completely understand that. Maybe I'll get him after he retires. And uh, we can talk about everything. But until then, he hasn't retired yet, folks. He's back at it for one more, for at least another year. And, uh, okay, um, the comment section. There was a number of, um, like I go to go back to social media. We have the, of course, the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. Hits, uh, uh, fights, hits, and brawls. Uh, group, um, a number of groups. 
and guys will put up put up videos and and uh, you know and then people comment on them. Of course, um, obviously that's how message boards work. Um, but there's oh, there always seems to be that guy. And I know every week I'm on here yelling about somebody saying something stupid and whatever. I often equate it to, um, like, I get, it's like the Stephen A. Smith, Jim Rome, Skip Bayless culture, I guess. And I mean, that's what people are, you know, I say, it's like, say stupid shit to get, what do they call it, clickbait or hot takes or whatever you want to say. But do you ever notice, like, most of the time when, now I know it's social media, Twitter, and you only have so many characters. Well, on Facebook you don't, but on Twitter you only have so many characters to respond with or whatever. But it's it basically it's just people saying dumb shit that makes no sense. That's what I found. A lot of these comments are, and it wasn't that they're disagreeing with me. That that has nothing to do with it. I get. I live with someone that disagrees with me constantly. No, that has nothing that I, I can appreciate the fact that someone, I'm not saying I'm always right, but if you come, Oh, I disagree. And I think this and blah, blah, blah. And you have a reasonable, I know I'm doing air quotes, reasonable discussion on social media. I don't know if one has ever been had yet, but, uh, that's not true. I've had a few, but, but overall it's like you put a video up and Oh, yeah, there he is getting his shit kicked again, again. Like somebody put up the, um, of course, as always, somebody posted a picture of Scott Parker. Of course, every, always, without fail, some dickhead's got a, oh, Probert kicked his ass. You know, okay, thanks. Yeah, Probert kicked a lot of people's ass. How about I put up a, a fucking picture of Chris Tamer? What are we going to comment then? Yeah, shut the fuck up. Uh, so, you know, but there's always some clown. And then it's like, oh, I remember when he fought Twist and he held on like a child on for dear life because he was scared. It's like why? Why do you? Why do people feel the need to say stupid shit? Like I don't understand. First of all, the Parker, the fight with Twist was his first fight in the NHL. He's twenty years old, and that, versus a prime Twist. Okay. Second of all, I again, I don't. My screen must have a different version than the one your yours plays. Because what fight are you watching? That Scott Parker holds on for dear life versus Tony Twist. Everybody right now, hit pause and go to YouTube and hit the, watch the video. Okay, you back now? What what fight are we talking about that he held on for dear life cause he, and he was scared? Did he look scared at any point in that fight? Like, what are you talking about? Like, did Parker not sign your lunchbox outside the rink one time and now for the last 20 years it's been Scott Parker hate tweets and message it like if you don't like the guy that's fine and you think oh i th- i think uh tony twist beat him in that skirmish okay but this oh i i guess probably and i've all i've said this a bunch of times on this show i think what probably irritates me the most is probably having the pet peeve in lot in just in life in general of needless exaggeration it drives me fucking nuts see what i did there but uh yeah, no exaggeration. Nothing gets me more wound up because it's just so you don't need it. Just say you think Twist won, not that Parker was holding on scared. You could tell. Look at him. Like, no, shut up. But that's what social. That's all social media is now. It's just hyperbole and just idiocy. 
But when they make these ridiculous statements, and it's funny because then you call them on it and it's hubba hubba hubba, they don't know how to reply. Because I'm not one of your fucking idiot friends that doesn't know any different. No, I'll call you on it, and I know I know what I'm talking about. And I've seen others call that that have knowledge that have called you on it. Oh yeah, okay, what whatever, bro. Okay, well that that's not an answer. Whatever, bro. I'm asking you to back, you make this ridiculous statement. You're going to come on a message board, you know, and, and make these ridiculous claims. Well, back your claim up then. And then as soon as you get called on it and you can't, and you have no backup for it other than you, you're, you're just a fucking fanboy idiot that just doesn't like the guy. So, but there's no reasonable explanation. You just, okay, stalker. Yeah. Love Parker much. Yeah. Yeah, I like Parker. Always have. But that's... I, I'm not childlike in that I can't admit that he lost. I'm, I'm, I don't care about that. But this, like, idea that he was terrible and he was completely overrated. I wouldn't even have him in my top 100 of all time. No, top 75. That's what it was. So I asked the guy, would, it, would you do top 80? Like, Scott Parker isn't in my top 75. Oh, okay. Well... And whatever, I, I'd love to see the the seventy four that are or the seventy five that are in front of them, or who's all in front of them, you know. But it's like, oh, you just dislike them that much, okay, you know, whatever. But it's just it's just ridiculous. But anyway, but then of course the same thing, and there's always these other comments. But of course, then maybe with twist, of course everything. Oh well, that yeah, this is twist uh, when he was on roids. Go watch pre roid twist. Okay. It's interesting. Everything twists on roids. Did he ever test positive for roids? Did he ever come out and say he took roids? I've never heard of these. No, I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I'm not his friggin' physician. I'm not his friend. I'm not, I don't know. But I have video of Tony Twist with the Saskatoon Blades. He fought the exact same as he did his final fight in St. Louis. He's always fought that way. Well, he's bigger. Well, you know, a lot of us got bigger from 18 to 30. Yeah, size did change a little bit. Now, am I going to naively sit here and say, oh, I don't think you ever took him? No. I'm not going to, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and accuse. Oh, I know he did. He didn't, though. I like how people always like, I noticed the ones that didn't take roids are all their favorites. Probert would never do that. Well, Probert did do that. He talked about it right in his fucking movie, you idiot. His wife talked about him taking roids. Like, I'm like, okay, so if Twist is on Do you think Twist is the only one that's on roids? Seriously? Like, I'm not going to start throwing out who I think and who... But I've talked to players that have said that they know this guy was on it. I know a guy that was giving guys the roids. You know? I'm not going to sit and throw their names out. It's not a big deal to me. Uh, And at the same time, if I'm in that position, I don't really blame them. At that point in hockey, when you're fighting in front of that many people and you're fighting for job, and this guy's looking to wipe you out and you're looking to wipe him out, I'm not going to fault these fucking guys for doing it. Because who knows? No, I mean, you're going to have your... That's why it's blah, blah, blah. That's why they didn't do it in the 70s. Okay, well, whatever. But, you know, they didn't. Okay, fine. I mean, if that's... Probably against the code... You know, the fucking code, God forbid. But at the end of the day, let's, you know, let's get down the brass tacks here and be serious. It's, 
you know, there's a lot of money on the line. There's your well-being on the line, and and you're expected to go fight these monsters. Well, you look for that's what that's what it takes. I mean, steroids don't immediately make you tough. That's the other thing. It's like oh, all of a sudden, if you take roids, you're never going to lose a fight again. Well, okay, like if people have a certain timeline of when twist took roids or whatever, always seems to be sort of in that second St. Louis run. People get this big, he was on roids thing. Well, Twist was really good with the blades and really good with the Quebec Nordiques too. And the fir- and his first run in St. Louis. So, it wasn't all of a sudden the roids made him good. He was good before that too. So, steroids don't make you good. Obviously, they help your physical strength and whatever, but you still get hit. So, that's a, and that, and that note, those ridiculous comments. But the other one that I've been noticing, and I've, and I've talked about this before, and it, like you put a fight up or a picture up, and it happened actually to me like three times this week, which is why I've, I've noticed it again. But, um, I put a picture up, and it was, and then, oh, no, it was a video, pardon me, it was a video first. I'm not going to say who it was, but it was like it was a minor league one. No, it was a junior one, pardon me. And uh, right away, the guy replied, who? That's all he put, who, with a question mark. Well, first of all, fuck knuckle. You probably did that on your phone, right? Your reply on your phone. Well, that's the world's greatest encyclopedia right there on the phone. So it's called Google, and maybe do a Google search before running your fucking mouth next time. Oh, I've never heard of this guy. Oh, good for you. You've never heard of him. You know, like, shut the fuck up. Who? Like, oh, you're such a clown. Who the fuck are you? You know. And then a guy, there's another one. Again, I'm not going to say the player's name, but he's on the group. He just joined the group. Guys were talking about him in the group, and he was answering questions. And another guy put up a couple of his fights. Well, then, of course, a bunch of clowns have to reply. That was a shit fight. Why would you even bother? Like, brutal, blah, blah, blah. And they got a fucking mouth off and flat. Why? Just why? Like, I, I seriously. And, like, yeah, the fights, like, in terms of excitement. They, no, they weren't. They were boring. Yeah, they weren't good. But, what? like, you can, you know the guy that's involved in the fight is reading them. Is that your point? Somehow is this going to be your sick burn, bro? Like, why? Just, I don't understand people. It's just, you know, I go and look at the thing. He looks like an adult man. Like, I'd expect maybe a 16-year-old to not have a fucking clue. This guy's in his 40s, looks like. And he's still going to fucking be an idiot. But I can guarantee you've been an idiot your entire 40 years on the face of the earth, I can tell you. I guarantee it, you have been. You're just a fucking goof. You know, with a big mouth that needs to get the shit slapped out of him. Speaking of big mouths and getting the shit slapped out of him. Mike, I'm not going to say your whole name. You managed to mess up my Dakota Odgers fucking comment section, though, about my podcast. Whoever the... And I know you're listening, goof. Because I I told you, if you kept it up, I'm going to kick you out of the group. So you're out. Because no one needs to read your bullshit. I don't know who you are. You don't come up on Elite Prospects. You don't come up to Hockey DB. But this guy's going on and on like he was the heavyweight champion. Oh, I was... Careful you're talking to... I was a goon back in the day, man. 
Oh, brother. Yeah, okay, brother. Yeah, you were so good, no one's ever heard of you. What level did you play to? Never said I played to a level. Yeah, so you should shut up and listen. To who? Like, you know, I have an entire show. Have you seen the list of my guests? In fact, the, the comment section of the show I just did with Dakota Odgers. You couldn't carry these guys as fucking sticks into the, into the rink. Let alone take them in a fight there, Mr. Goon. Oh, but this guy, oh, he, he was knocking people parallel. And I can remember in tryouts and this guy came up to me when I was picking up pucks and blah. Like, I don't know what fantasy world you lived in. Whatever mud show junior D league in Michigan that you played in or whatever. You fucking garden gnome. I don't know what the fuck you were talking about. Like I said, you're just gibberish. I had a bunch of people get a hold of me and go, what is this guy even saying? I'm like, I don't know. Like I told you, I've seen all those words before. I've just never seen them in that order. Like, what are you saying? So get, you know, next time if you want to talk to me, uh, get the Grammarly app. Maybe that'll help you out. Because I have no idea what you were talking about. Oh, and you, I, I'm a couch jockey and I don't know and hockey's this and this is that and blah, blah, blah. Who, I don't know what you were talking about. You're a goof. And it's like, I, what level did you play to at all? What level did you play? Elite level. Cause last time I checked, anybody that played in an elite level has a hockey DB profile picture, page. You certainly didn't, unless you're going by some uh, anonymous name on, uh, you know, on on the Facebook, unless you're some alias. But just you're a goof, and I know you're listening to this. You're a goof. You're a fucking goof. Grow up, man. Again, you look like you're in your forties, and you're on Facebook, some enforcer group playing make believe. Like I swear, do you just play Glory Days by Springsteen on repeat? Oh, back in my day. Yeah. I just don't hope the kids... I don't want the today's kids to suffer what I did to guys in camp. Oh, God. Oh. The, the delusion is strong. Strong as the delusion, huh? Like, oh my God, you're an idiot. But these groups are just... It's amazing. It's just... Are just filled with these morons. And sometimes it's funny, but most of the time it's just pathetic. Like, I, okay, whatever. Like, un, like in Spittin' Chiglets, when they'll, they'll tweet out something. You get all, you get these delusional ex-frat boys that play, like, over at the Adult Safe Hockey League, Division E, you know, for the fucking Jiffy Lube Jets. Oh, I hear you, wit. I, you know, smashing Sondos, blah, blah, blah. And they, they talk like Jonesy and Riley. They've watched too much Letter Kenny. You know, crushing Sondos, Sandos, bro, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if he keeps that up, that's a sussy. And fuck, fuck you posers. You're a bunch of fucking losers. Like, stop talking like it's fucking Letter Kenny. Or you're in the locker room with Biz and Whitney. Like I said before on this show, do you think Bissonette and Ryan Whitney like walk around and talk like that in real life? It's a fucking gimmick, bro. There, I'll talk to you in your language. Like I've never heard, I've been around hockey players my whole, I've never heard any of them talk like that. Like it's a gimmick. But oh, and that I'm not even going to say what podcast, whatever, I, I had a couple, I was told 
not told, but I was asked, you know, whatever. They kind of started following the account, blah, blah, blah. I'm not good, whatever. And I'm at work, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to listen to... I always like to listen to what... Not always. I should say, actually, I don't listen to other real other hockey podcasts other than the few I mentioned, but... I'm like, all right, well, I should, you know, whatever. They're following me, so I tuned in and listened, and they had a guest on, and it was just... I, It's just embarrassing to listen to. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got to get in the, the, the cool catchphrases that I think are all the rage in hockey now, and, and it's like, like, oh, I'm in the lockers. I'm gonna talk like they do in the locker room and all that. And it's just like, no, don't. You sound, you sound like such a, yeah, poser is the only word I can use. Like, it's just, you sound like a fucking idiot. It's like you sound like the kid who's doing the who has to do the oral present the oral book the the book report, but didn't read the book. So you just throw out like these buzzwords, but everyone knows you don't know shit. Like it's just embarrassing. And why? I don't I don't understand why. Like okay, we get it. You're on the show. You're a hockey fan. That's okay. You guys are talking hockey, but stop trying so hard. And I guess this is where like I guess this is where my age comes in. Because these people are obviously younger that were on this show, the host and the stuff and the guest, um, and and I've and, I, and people have said this to me before when I said I don't understand. That's the one thing you won't like. I'll knock like I've always said. I will knock on actions that players do or don't do or whatever. But I've never shit on the athlete. Now I might call him soft or whatever, but at the same time, I'm not. He's no good. He sucks. He, I've never said that because you sound like a moron. And I think. That's my problem with a lot of these shows. Now I get people are fans and go team and everything else. Okay, but when you're so blind that you can't see talent on another team because they're not on your team, you're a fucking idiot. All right? We'll clear that up right now. And I'm not even saying you have to like them. I'm not saying that. Don't like them. But don't say they're no good. Because now you just sound like an idiot. And see, that was the thing. I was sort of kind of with you with the show, kind of listening, whatever. Then as soon as you start uh, shitting on guys and whatever, first of all, when you don't have the credibility to begin with, it would be one thing if it was an ex-player saying it. Okay, well, they have the credentials to say it. You're just an idiot couch jockey. So you have zero credibility. Much like I realize I have zero credibility. Which, again, goes to, when have I ever said that? I haven't because... I don't have the credibility to say so. Anyway, moving on. Um, Avery versus Barnaby has sort of seemed to hit social media here as both of them have made videos chirping each other. And uh, and I was told here by my brother, because I said I didn't initially know what got them talking about each other, um, but apparently it was about Shifley's hit. And I, saw, and I saw the videos, both of their comments on the hit. And then apparently they must have commented on each other's takes on it or whatever. And that's what kind of got this thing started. But then somebody threw out Barstool Sports does that, does those pay-per-views. I don't know, Rough and Rumble or Rumble and Ready or whatever. They're like pay-per-views. I think Kitsako was in the last one. And they, they just do like kind of celebrity fights or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, Barnaby challenged Avery to this 
to uh, fight on pay-per-view. Of course, Avery told him to shut up or just come down to California and I'll fight you in my driveway and blah, you know, whatever, typical Avery. Um, and it was interesting because everybody was betting on and we were just talking at work, like, who do you think would win? I'm like, well, if they actually fought. See, I mean, I guess that's the thing with these, like, rough and red pay-per-view, it's a boxing thing. So, I mean, that's really out of both of their elements. I mean, I guess at that point, um, you know, I mean, they both look in, I know Barnaby's still in decent shape. I mean, and, uh, Avery, I guess looked all right. I'm, um, I don't know how much boxing either of them have done, but if they actually put on skates and went and fought in a hockey fight, I should have to go back and look. They probably did fight each other in hockey. Um, my money would be on Barnaby. Uh, Barnaby had fought a lot tougher guys than Avery ever did. Um, but Avery was scrappy and whatever. And in terms of all of a sudden now you're going to put him in a boxing ring. Well, that's an entirely different story. But, um, if I had to bet, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd probably put money on Barnaby to win the fight. But, um, Avery is interesting because I see he does those cameo things now and people have put up a few of the cameo, um, little segments that he sent to people. And of course he's shitting on the Leafs and whatever. And they're actually pretty funny. Um, I sent it to my brother, but he didn't believe me, but I've seen kind of on social media, a little resurgence in like, people are like, Oh, you know, I didn't, I never liked Avery before, but he's kind of growing on me. And, and then after since hockey, he's done a few videos where he's, you know, he's riding his bike and he's yelling at people in New York and uh, Bissonette was at his place there and they did a thing with Avery and he was on the show and I don't know. He, Avery just still strikes me as a fucking donkey. Um, although his cameo shit, the, the shit, of, his hockey takes, I think are funny and I'm, I'm right with him, um, for sure. But, um, you know, people that have been longtime listeners of my show here know some of the interviews that I've had with players that have played with Avery and stuff. None of them have anything good to say about him. Said he was a fucking clown. Um, like I said, his career, NHL career got cut short because his, his, he talked himself right out of the NHL because his teammates didn't even like him. So, you know. And I don't know, the videos that I see, I mean, obviously it's he's, you know, playing a character. But, um, I don't know, he just seems like a little fucking obnoxious asshole. You know. I, whatever. Probably because when he was riding his bike and he, like, he'd be in the bike lane and he'd be, like, yapping at people that were in the bike lane. Kind of probably struck a nerve with me personally because for a while Saskatoon had bike lanes, our ill-advised bike lane experiment. And, um, part of my work, um, when I was downtown, of course, I had to go in and out of, across bike lanes and stuff to do my job. And I had a few of these Avery types roll up on me, and I had one guy in his little spandex leotards there and his little goofy bike helmet and told me next time he's not stopping, he's going right through me. Well, I don't know how you're going to go right through me on a 10-speed, buddy. We'll both go flying. And we basically kind of had some words and whatever. And So watching those Avery fucking videos, anybody that hasn't seen these videos, are like, what the fuck is Darren talking about right now? But anyway, those that have know what I'm talking about, and that sort of struck a nerve with me when he was doing this shit. Yeah, because I was like, oh, yeah, you're that guy. But, uh, yeah, Avery and Barnaby. Yeah, bunch of, of all the people, yeah, the two yappiest fucking assholes in hockey are yapping at each other, which is kind of the irony, um, which is just kind of funny. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think Avery's already backed down from doing the fight on pay-per-view. But uh, it'd be interesting if they did it. That'd be pretty cool. I might even tune in for that one, a Barnaby and Avery boxing match. 
Yeah, you'd probably get my money on that one. But, 40 minutes in, one last segment here. I'm going to, I'm clicking on this. I'm going to open it up to this article that was sent to me. Here it is. The Sportster. It looks like they've got, ah, it's just one of those little gossip sites or whatever. So I could imagine how serious this fucking, uh, I'm sure this guy's a big fan. Andrew Maggio is the writer, and it was published uh, in 2015. The top 15 worst NHL enforcers of all time. The role of the enforcer may slowly but surely be nearly extinct, but the history of the job will always remain ingrained in the fabric of one of the most violent sports in the world. Um. For years, the enforcer gig was one one that was glorified. A man literally armored up holding his twig, more so as a weapon than as a hockey stick in his ham-like fist. Oh, God. With the sole purpose of striking fear into opponents and when needed doling out requisite punishment for those who stepped out of line. Today, the enforcer is viewed in a much different light, often assumed to be a tormented soul, one dealing with a laundry list of mental issues while still having to go out every night and do something he despises so that he can keep a spot in the lineup and make a living. Oh, the drama. The drama of it all. Okay. Some of these men's some of these men were legends of their craft. Probert, Nyland, Tiger Williams, Tidomi, among many others. Some, well, not so much. They were usually the punching bag for the guys listed above. So we decided to make a list. So here we go. Alright. So again, I have not looked at this list. I wanted to get the honest ant or the uh you're getting you're getting my uh true reaction to this. So here we go. Number fifteen. Oh we're off to a hot start. <clears throat> Alright. Number fifteen, Craig Baruby. Oh Okay. Oh. If you don't know much about Craig Berube and you heard about his past as an NHL tough guy and then saw him during his time behind the Flyers bench, you would assume Berube was a pretty mean customer back in the day. He was a very mean customer back in the day. Uh, overall, Berube could handle himself, but he was a bit of a wild puncher with no real strategy going into fights. When he connected, he connected hard, but when he missed, he usually ended up at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, that was a problem he didn't miss very often. I would say he was definitely a wild puncher. Um, but uh, he also didn't know when to pack it up and head to the box, as evident by his role in the brawl between the Bruins and, and his Capitals back in 95, which didn't end well for him. What the fuck is this guy talking about? I'm going to have to go back and look at that. I Brawl, Bruins and Capitals. Is that when Defoe fought Kolzig? Is that what he's talking about? I don't remember that, bro. And I certainly don't remember... I don't remember too many big Baruby losses, to be honest. Like, I remember Laws catching him. But other than that, I mean, maybe when he was older, towards the end of his career, but I still don't remember any... For him to even be anywhere near a worst list is... Oh, fuck, this guy's already... This guy's already on my nerves and we're one guy in. Okay. Number 14, Sean Antosky. Hmm. Uh, all right. Antosky has some big wins on his resume, but as as he approached the later later stage of his of his career, his abilities dipped considerably. He went from aggressive fighter to a clutch and grab specialist with the ability to get knocked out clean by guys like Twist and Reed Simpson. 
it's all fine and well to knock a guy down every once in a while, but if you're just going to hold on to an opponent and go for a spin on the ice, why even bother dropping the gloves? Well, um, I sort of agree with the last statement. I don't know if, was Sean, Ant- was Sean Antosky a big wrestler, grappler guy? Hmm, that's interesting. To be compl- I mean, obviously I know who Sean Antosky is and I've seen his fights. I mean, um, but I'm certainly not going to uh, sit here and act like I'm an expert on all things Antosky. Um, I don't, Tony, I believe the twist fight was after twist scored and they fought. Um, right after he scored. I was on Hockey Night in Canada, I think. Um, I know he had a really good fight with Turner Stevenson. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue with him being on this list. I don't know. I've never, like I said, I'm not a, a huge Antosky history buff, so uh, uh, I'm not sure. But, uh, okay. I mean, uh, it's, I was more surprised to see his name on the list. I'm surprised that anybody that would have Baruby on their top 15 list for worst enforcers um, would all of a sudden break out the Sean Antosky reference. But okay, number 13, scroll, scroll. Although, just talking about a Matt Barnaby. Uh, shit disturber, yes. Agitator, yes. Great fighter, not quite. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Matt Barnaby got into a lot of fights over the course of his career and while carved out a place in NHL history as a guy who was able to get under the skin of virtually everyone. Barnaby got a lot of credit for able to outlasting his opponent. He usually resorted to the old clutch and grab for as long as possible, waited for his opponents to tire out before making his move. Well, that was definitely... Mar- but what this guy's also failing to... You know, if that didn't work, Barnaby was, Barnaby was usually eating a bunch of haymakers, making it much more difficult for him to yap away. See, the thing with Barnaby is... and I've, I don't know where I... I think I might have said this on this show before. Um... He was certainly obviously never a heavyweight fighter just due to his size. Like, what was six feet and like 185? I think he said in his rookie year he's 170 with the Sabres. Like, yeah. But you go look at his fight card, he fought everybody. Um, so obviously he's got to hang on when you're 185 pounds. Uh, and he would let him tire out and then he'd fight back. If Barnaby had fought an Avery or an Ott or guys in his weight class, he would do quite well. Um, but he fought the Grimsons and the Jim, Mc- or the, the, uh, uh, Jim McKenzie, did he fight Jim McKenzie? You know, but you know what I'm saying? He fought bigger dudes. So yeah, he was in tough. Um, but I, I always got the, like, he was always the show, like he was always yapping. He's telling the refs to stay out of it. And he's yelling at the guy during the fight. I, I don't think we ever really saw like a serious, I'm mad Let's do this, Matt Barnaby, with his concentration on fighting and let's get at it. He always seemed to be like, he he's, like I said, he's shit-talking the guy in the middle of the fight. So I don't really know how serious he took the role of fighting, to be honest. He'd do it, for sure, but I don't know, he never seemed to be fighting mad when I saw him. I don't know. So, but I mean, I guess I could see why he's on the list, but, but at the same time, like, enforcer, I'm doing air quotes. I wouldn't call Barnaby an enforcer, though, either, so... Yeah, you know, whatever. But anyway, 12, Sandy Moger. What the fuck? In the long line of Bruins goonery, Sandy Moger is near the bottom of the list, and for good reason, he wasn't a very good fighter. What the fuck is this guy talking? Sandy Moger. Oh, who's phoning me? Hold on. 
Well, we'll pick up where we left off here. Uh, we're doing this in two parts. Uh, my phone was ringing uh, when I was... Sandy Moger. All right. But yeah, that's... Uh, I'm not really sure what we're, we're throwing old Sandy on the list for. I was just looking up seven career fights in the NHL against... I mean, Chris Murray is the only known guy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if why... Sandy Moger. Okay, well... Um, number 11, Keith Magnuson. Um, yeah, um, now I know he is a hero in Chicago, um, and unfortunately he, uh, passed away in the car, but that was after his career, but it was, uh, I believe it was Ramage, wasn't it, in the car crash? Um, but yeah, just kind of that working class, uh, kind of, you know, blue collar, uh, D-man for the Blackhawks that, um, I know he was, he was a fan favorite, but, uh, yeah, he took some kick-ins and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see, I can agree with that. Um, but I mean, you know, as, as far as having him on your team, I mean, definitely, you know, um, just one of those gritty guys that would always just go to battle. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Magnuson expert, but I mean, you know, from everything, and I've read a lot of stuff on him and I've seen some of the fights and, um, yeah, just willing to go with anybody. Um, number 10, Ed Hospitar. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, any Ed Hospitar, I mean, uh, I think he'll, he'll probably for infamously be known for, um, of course, Clark Gillies breaking his face. Um, but I mean, big dude that would hit and stuff. Um, again, um, not going to claim to be a big hospital expert. Um, I haven't seen a lot of his fights. I've seen the Gillies thing, obviously, but yeah, I could, uh, all right, I'm with you. Number nine, Gary Nyland. I liked Gary Nyland actually. Um, what's their reasoning? Watch Gary Nyland get laid out by Bob Probert and it'll make sense to you. Well, not really. Probert laid a lot of people out. So, you know, Nyland was a tough customer that was more than, Dropping gloves and hanging on, ripping your opponent's jersey. Probert taught Nyland that lesson the hard way. Nyland got similar treatment from Chris Nyland, from also from a guy like Chris Nyland and others. But when he could, he would simply hang on and wait for the refs to come in and break it up. Hmm. I, you know, I mean, I guess, I mean, that's always like we were saying, right? Uh, everyone's interpretation of watching videos is different. Um, I don't know. I never watched. Get... This is sort of an interesting list. Um, sort of some names that I certainly wasn't expecting. Like I said, I didn't look at this list beforehand, so this is all new as I'm scrolling, but, um, yeah, some guy, I wish I had sort of, maybe I'd opened it up and kind of maybe did some research on this stuff, but I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't remember ever going away from an eighties DVD saying that Gary Nyland sure terrible, but okay. Number eight, Tom Gostopoulos. Well, this cat, I know this guy played forever in the, it played like, was it like six or 700 NHL games and like 500 AHL games? Like, I don't know. But I mean, at the same time, it's, I was he an enforcer? I'm like, I'd bless his line heart. Tom Gustavus would take, would enrage elephant in hand to hand combat if it meant defending a teammate. Oh, okay. Unfortunately for Tom, the bomb, the bombs were usually landed on his jaw and it usually never ended well. While he always gave a valiant effort, Gestopoulos was never truly able to strike fear into anyone thanks to his inability to take on true enforcers of his time. Okay, yeah, and I mean, but like I said, the the list is the 15 worst NHL enforcers. I don't think Tom Gestopoulos 
is was looked at as an enforcer. I think he was more just a grit guy. Um, yeah. I mean, I have nothing to say about the guy. Like, he is... Um, I mean, I've seen some of his fights, but nothing that really sticks out to me. Um, I think he was just a guy that would, you know, wouldn't take any shit. And if, yeah, like I said, if someone needed help, he was in there. But I'm like, okay. Number seven, Paul Baxter. Um, what did they have? Paul Baxter wasn't horrible, but he wasn't good either. He lost more than he'd win. But when he did win, he had the tendency to get the extra shot or two in for good measure. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's actually, a, you know, as much as I've been kind of ripping on this author of this article, I would, I would definitely actually agree with that assessment. Um, all the stuff I've seen on Baxter, he's just a cheap bastard. And I can't believe he he actually sucker punched Ben Wilson, and it's like you're just signing your death warrant here, buddy. But uh, yeah, I mean, played a long time was, uh, you know, just that the old dirty defenseman with a stick and. You know, with Spiria as well as Hitchia, cheap shots. And, um, yeah, and it's true. I, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he certainly fought people. It's when he finally dropped his gloves, he would fight. But, um, yeah, he was a dirty bastard. Yeah. Number six, Kelly Buckberger. Yeah. You could tell Kelly Buckberger had a big set of stones because he wasn't afraid to fight anyone. But you would, but you might wonder if he had going on between his ears because oftentimes it made you scratch your head. Eh, I don't know. I don't think we need to be that uh, harsh on him. I always said actually, if the the rest of the Edmonton other teams there in the '90s had played as hard as Buckberger did, they would have won multiple cups. Um, hey, I, I'm a big fan of Kelly Buckberger. I mean, was he the greatest fighter? Oh hell no. Yeah, and I could probably I can I can see why he's on this list. Um, again, I was he an enforcer, you know, well, I mean, by 2021 standards, he would be, but I'm talking about at the moment when he was playing. Um, no, but again, just another, um, just a third line checking guy that, that would, that could fight and he did fight everybody. And yeah, he took some, he took some dirty beatings, but, uh, I don't know for something about him. I always liked him. I always liked Buckberger, you know, he'd give her shit and terrible lid and, leather straps and he's just go um wore leather with the oiler i think he was a captain for a while and uh but yeah just but i mean truly one of those you know the blood and guts guys and um you know he had and that's probably why he played such a long career on you know a, a minimal talent guy i'm not trying to knock him but you know on a bubble guy but i mean he played he had to have played a thousand games um and just went balls out and uh but I mean, I could, was he a great fighter? No, not really. Like you said, he'd give him shit. But I mean, we always used to laugh at the, it was a Hockey Night in Canada game. And, uh, he fought Baumgartner and he threw a left at Baumgartner literally caught his fist with one hand and like beat the shit out of him with the other one. It was like, it was like a total Hollywood, like action movie type move. And we, my buddy Mike and I still laugh about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, okay, he's on the list, but I mean, you know, I liked Bucky. Number five, Joe Patterson. Jeez, this guy's kind of all over the place right in this list. Uh, I'm actually really surprised that a lot of the names on here, Joe Patterson, all right? Um, it's, it's funny. I don't know what that says about me. I, was, I always liked Joe Patterson, actually. Uh, he'd always be on, like, those mixed eight mid-'80s fight tapes that I had, and, uh, you know, with L.A. and the old purple unis, and, and then uh, who else did he play for? The Rangers. Um 
what do they got here? Grabbing, wrestling, latching on for dear life, you name it. Joe Patterson was good at it. Mm, fighting, not so much. Watch a few of his clips and you'll see why. He'd land a haymaker every once in a while and his size helped him out in most situations. But for the most part, it looked like Matt, like Patterson didn't want to break his fist in any altercation he got into. His punches were short, lacked gusto, and generally used his energy to avoid takedown and the punches being thrown at him. I mean, like, I don't know if this guy just watched one or two YouTube clips. I'm, well, clearly that's probably what he did and whatever. Um, I don't know. I never actually thought Patterson was that bad. Um, I think Marty not McSorley knocked him down. I mean, but that, you know, it's Marty. And I remember actually, I just watched a hunter fight with him kind of got controlled, but I mean, he had some really good fights with Diddick. I know there's, I think it's on my channel. He has a really good fight with Cordick in the American hockey league. It's a really good fight. Um, I don't know. Big dude. Um, I think he gives it to Neely on one of the tapes that I have. Um, again, I don't know. Was Joe Patterson? I guess he was an enforcer. Mm, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I never viewed him like, I guess everyone's definition of enforcer is, you know, I mean, I get he fought a bunch, but I mean, again, how I'm, I'm viewing it in the, in the time frame that they played. Like, I mean, would he be an enforcer now? Well, yeah. But I mean, in the eighties when he was playing, I don't know, but he was a big dude. He's, and, uh, I don't know. I like Joe Patterson. Number four, Nick Kiprios. Hmm. We'll give this much kit. He fought his own battles and never backed down from anybody. Unfortunately, the man wasn't cut out for the job. Well, it's true. He actually really wasn't cut out for the job. He was a goal scorer, actually. Um, Kipriot's got into plenty of battles and he entered them willingly, but that was early aggressiveness would, would wear him out and open the door for his opponent to lay him out. Unless Kipriot's got his kill shot in early, he never stood a chance. Ultimately, if I'm most devastating loss to Ryan Vandenbush, it ultimately ended his career. I mean, everybody, when they, with Kiprios, they'll, they remember obviously that ugly Vandenbush knockout. Um, I always gave Kiprios a lot of credit just for the fact that in junior and stuff, he was a goal scorer. Like I said, he holds, he had like 68 goals or something in North Bay one year. It's still a record. And, uh, he was a big goal scorer, got drafted by the Flyers, and they basically turned him into a fighter, which, like he even said in one of his documentaries that they were talking about him, it's like, he goes, well, that was just hockey back then. But he goes, in all seriousness, would you take a almost a 70-goal scorer and turn him into an enforcer? Like, why would you do that? It wasn't like he was big. Like, I think Kiprios was maybe 6'1". But, um, you know, so, I mean, was he, yeah. And, I mean, he played the role of enforcer. I remember he had 300 minutes in one year in Hartford. That's kind of when he went off and we started kind of noticing him. Um Again, I liked Kiprios. You know, he would, he'd always be in hard on the four check. And, and like I said, after he scored 68 goals in junior, I mean, in a season, you have, like, he could score. I mean, you know, he knew his role in the NHL. But that was the thing. Like, he even said it in the documentary I remember watching that, I mean, if he was going to stick around the NHL and have a career, he had to fight. And he embraced it. And, I mean, it was kind of like the same as uh, Bissonette talks about, too. I mean, not that Bissonette was scoring 68 goals, but, I mean, you know, Bissonette was an OHL All-Star, East Coast League All-Star. I mean, you know, um, defenseman and stuff, obviously. But, you know, these guys just did what it took to make to the league. And, um, you know, I, I never want to knock a guy that did it because, I mean, that takes huge balls to, like, completely change your attitude. Like, when you're kind of, you know, like, oh, I'd bump and fight now and again in junior, but nothing like an enforcer or anything. To go complete enforcer mindset at that point, um, you know, that's a tough thing to do. And, uh, I don't know. I always liked Kiprios. He's all right with me, but I mean, would I have him on the, yeah. I mean, he wasn't that great of a fight. He wasn't that bad actually though. Yeah. For, in terms of actually, um, 
um, exciting fights. Kipper was actually a toe to toe guy. Like he'd, he'd get into some pretty good ones. Um, I don't know. I always liked Kiprios, but what I have on the yeah, all right, I can see. Yeah, all right. Don Jackson with the Oilers. That's interesting. Number three, watch some Don Jackson fight tapes. I'll make it'll make you question a couple things. First off, why did Don Jackson never bother dropping the gloves? Second, why on earth did the commentators continually tout him as one of the best? Yeah, you've obviously been watching. You've obviously watched uh, Edmonton. Uh, Announcers, Stan Jonathan, Craig Poblinski beat him. Scott Stevens, Barry, yeah, Stevens did. Craig Cox knocked him out and said, Jay Miller, blah, blah, blah. Be hard-pressed to find a fight where Jackson overpowered, let alone beat his opponent. Um, yeah, I'd actually probably agree with that. I mean, he always sort of gets lost. I mean, he's just one of those guys, right, that was just always around the Battle of Alberta, always in it. But, I mean, you know, sort of overshadowed, obviously, by, like, McSorley and Samanko and McClellan and guys like that. Um yeah, I mean, I, I guess it was again was Don Jackson an enforcer? I suppose. Um, I re- I really don't have too much to say. I I mean, I've seen him get the shit kicked out of him a few times. Um, I've watched some Don Jackson fight tapes. And I'm kind of thinking this guy probably didn't watch a few Don Jackson fight tapes because I don't know if there would be one. But uh, uh, all right. Number two, Tory Robertson. I will say I was never a fan of Tory Robertson. Now, watch a couple of Tory Robertson fight videos on YouTube. You'll get the gist of why he's ranked pretty high. Robertson had a bit of a style, like most fighters do, but it wasn't overly impressive. A ton of grappling, a lot of latching on, way too much hugging. This usually took up the majority of the bout uh, until his opponent or officials got fed up with the guy he was fighting and uh, broke it up. Tough guy, yes. Good tough guy, no. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I would have if I he would be on my list as well. Um, I was what, I don't know, it actually wasn't that long ago, and yeah, just seatbelt guys, but I was actually amazed, um, this dude played a long time, um, yeah, I'm honestly not going to comment too much more, I mean, I, I'd literally, if I was watching a fight DVD or a fight tape, a Tory Robertson fight came on, I would fast forward it, I would, after a while, he was, yeah, he's a seat. I'm not going to knock anybody that did the job. I certainly would never do that. But, I mean, in terms of excitement, he wasn't it. That's for sure. Number one, <laughs> Jay Caulfield. Well, yeah. Back in 1989, Jay Caulfield got into it with Chris Nyland during a game between Caulfield's Penguins and Nyland's Rangers. Meaning Nyland was near the end of his brilliant tough guy career. That fight kind of sums up Jay Caulfield's NHL fighting career. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but called out by many, including a color commentator, calling him, calling the game that night as nothing more than a grapple and wrestle fighter. Caulfield solidified himself as one of the worst of all time, repeatedly being used to punching bag by smaller fighters such as Nylon. Um, I, I know Caulfield was huge, and I believe, I, I, I believe he's initially he was on a football scholarship in college. He was a football player that got into hockey really late. I remember he wore the neck guard and stuff. I remember that was always really bizarre. I remember one of my very first fight tapes I ever got, I remember putting it in and there's this guy in Pittsburgh wearing a, like a football collar. And I was like, what, what is this? What is this guy doing? But I mean, big dude. Um, yeah. Terrible on his skates. Um, yeah. I mean, he fought everybody, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely have him on my list. I could see why he's number one, but again, big willing guy, but, uh, like I said, I think he got into hockey really late. I mean, obviously a great athlete, because um, I don't think he was ever a real big uh, hockey player out here. Hold on here. 
Yeah, just quickly looked up his DB. I mean, he had the one college game and that was it. So, yeah, like I don't think he played really any junior hockey or anything like that. So definitely a late bloomer. So the fact he made it to the NHL speaks tough, you know, obviously speaks volumes to his toughness. But it's kind of interesting. It's with Pittsburgh, though. I mean, you always seem like the Penguins always had like those one and done guys. You know what I mean? Like they always sort of, I don't know. I know somebody was telling me, though, like he was a big fitness dude and stuff. When Mario Lemieux was making his comeback um, from the from the cancer, I think Caulfield was the guy that like skated with him and got him ready. Um, I think I think I read that somewhere and like trained with him. I might be up my app, but I'm pretty sure it was Jay Caulfield. Um, yeah, I mean, what more is there to say? I mean, I completely agree with him being number one. Um, yeah, he again. I always like. I understand the point of the list, a worst enforcer, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm not uh, going to knock any of these guys because, like I said, it always takes huge balls to go do it. So that's not what, I, again, this was a list to, sent to me, and it wasn't meant as an indictment on these guys. Like, they should have never been in the hockey or, in the hockey or anything like that. But, um, you know, I mean, you, everyone has could make up their own list for sure. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was just sort of a fun thing just to kind of, close out the episode just to kind of get, you know, whatever, see what was out there. And like I said, it was sent to me. So that was a, I, you know, it was, it was fun to go through a few of his picks. There were kind of like Sandy Moger. I'm still shaking my head about that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was a fan of a lot of these guys and, um, you know, and like I said, most of these guys, I mean, they were playing in 2021, they'd be King Kong, which is funny. You know, I mean, back then they'd be sixth or seventh on the depth chart, but now they'd be ruling the league. So it's funny how things have changed over the years. But, uh, anyway, guys, that, uh, that'll wrap it up for, uh, today's episode. I hope, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I really thank everybody again for, for tuning in and taking the time, um, yeah, like I said, uh, every Wednesday is interview day and every Sunday is the, is the rant episode. So, uh, I encourage you, if you're a new listener to, to, uh, check out the back catalog. Um, if you're a listener from the very start, thank you for hanging in there and continuing to, to, uh, support the show. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And, uh, hope everybody had a good weekend. Let's, uh, let's attack the work week and, uh, I'll talk to you everybody on Wednesday. Thanks guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?